0: All right, here we go with part three of Mastering the Juggle, or like I said before, I should probably rename it Managing the Juggle, but I've already done the graphics, so we're just going to roll with it. I got a crazy, crazy story to tell you guys. I mean, one of the strangest things that's ever happened in my entire life happened uh, this past week. I mean, it really is a pretty insane deal, but uh, let me let me give you a quick update on Life on the Verge. Uh, first off, let me thank all of you that give to our ministry, man, we we try to do what we say we're going to do. After we've prayed through it, we've scheduled it, and by your generosity, we are two dates away from completing everything uh, on this tour's calendar. Every prison event, every church event, and every other event, we've been able to do it, travel a lot of miles, regardless of the gas gas prices, and do uh, what we said we were going to do, and that's what we strive to do, you know? We've gone a very unconventional route with the way that we launched Life on the Verge, and we've done Life on the Verge. Nothing wrong with convention, but that's not the way the Lord had led us. Most missionaries uh, raise their budget first; they go church to church for a couple of years, and they get a certain amount of commitments that's going to make sure they have a salary and their missions work paid for before they hit the field. Well, we were, you know, obviously late in life, and we just hit the ground running and started going. And God has just provided along the way everything we need to do what he's called us to do. And he's done that through you, our faithful partners. So just a big, huge thank you. I'll let you know that we, the two events we have left, we're headed to, Hope, well, we're headed to Watermarks Camp in Scottsville, Virginia. Lord willing, tomorrow. Uh, I want to make sure that you know... Um, watermarks camp is a phenomenal place for church events or men's retreats or they do big summer camps for young people it's a 250 acre camp in view of the blue ridge mountains on the james river they got every amenity you can think of for camping i mean they even got a firearms range our church went out there with the men's group and you would have thought it was a militia um, target shooting and whatnot they got paintball and gaga ball, and they got lakes to swim in and all sorts of water activities. It's a great camp, and those are dear friends of ours that we met along Life's Way. They've been tremendous supporters of Life on the Verge, and we go there, one, to spend some time with them, but also they have a, a hookup for our RV and a great workshop where we're going to have to do some things to our RV, wash it and do the ceiling and you know, quite a bit of uh, maintenance we need to do before we head to Hope Community Church we'll be there in Hedgesville, West Virginia on June 26th for all three morning services and then the following Sunday we will be at Freedom Church in Stafford, Virginia with our dear friend uh, Barry Clark, Pastor Barry Clark so oh, we, we had a wonderful weekend this past weekend at Christ Fellowship Church in Norfolk, Virginia a church pastored by a dear friend that I used to work on the police department with and um, fantastic church. And I thought it was hilarious that we did this service. They're they're now meeting in the Fraternal Order of Police Club, which is a great organization, but it has a bar that's open very late. Maybe I said this in the last podcast, but I stumbled out of that place more than one time during my backslidden state back in the late 80s. And uh, the Lord redeemed me and rescued me from the pit I willingly jumped back into. And I thought it was remarkable that the I hadn't been in that building since those days And now I'm back and I'm preaching Jesus And that's a great church if you're in Norfolk to visit It's not a very large church But they got a huge heart And they do a lot for Life on the Verge So shout out to Christ Fellowship Church Okay, this crazy, crazy story So around Tuesday, um, I guess My wife started having some kidney pain And Susan has been prone to kidney stones Over the last, uh, really last 20 years, I guess three or four times maybe Uh, matter of fact she had a kidney stone last year um, right before our last prison event but praise God she did it anyway she insisted and she sat in a chair and sang uh, for the whole event spoke and uh, we finished our tour but uh, she started having feelings like she had a kidney stone maybe around Tuesday by Wednesday it was starting to amplify she called the doctor they gave her antibiotics for what could become a urinary tract infection um that's kind of you're prone to those with kidney stones she's progressively starting to feel worse by wednesday and they put her on the antibiotic and some pain medicine meanwhile my daughter who is three months pregnant um she she doesn't normally have migraines but she had a massive migraine Uh, a pregnant lady with a massive migraine can cause a little stress she calls her doctor. They call her in some special medication for migraines. Being she's pregnant, she had to take a certain medication. So we're dealing with this kidney stone, possible urinary tract infection. The two women are both feeling really, really bad. So I'm outside fishing with the boys, my son-in-law and my three grandsons. We're, we're on this little canal at this campground we can fish in. So uh, my grand... My, grandson that's 11 years old I've got one that's 11 one that's 13 and one that's 14 and I put them to work when when they're with us by the way they become my roadies I give them a little bit of compensation but I try to teach them the value of hard work so we're trying to you know have fun with them too this is in all regards a work vacation a uh, workcation I guess And uh, and so we're out there doing a little fishing and fishing for me with my grandsons means baiting hooks and untangling lines and you know that kind of thing Uh, more than fishing, you know, trying to teach them. Having a good time. Well, my son-in-law had bought my granddaughter, who's only six, a little toy fishing rod. It's got a little plastic fish on the end of it, but you can cast it like a real fishing rod. So she's out there playing with it, and she comes in the house, or in the camper, and my 11-year-old grandson starts playing with her fishing rod, and he throws it in the water. This story's going to get absolutely insane in a second here. So... He doesn't make a big deal about it. He kind of laughs it off. I pinched my finger and blah, blah, blah. I just let it go. And he's laughing about it. I didn't like that. I'm already not in the greatest mood. My wife is sick. My daughter is sick. And so I kind of jumped on him a little bit. I was worn out, you know. And his countenance finally changed and he ran in the camper a little upset. Well, my middle grandson sees, sees the little plastic fish floating in the water. We've pulled that out. Next thing you know, we're pulling out a bunch of line, and we get the rod out of the water. It's very murky. You couldn't see it. You couldn't go in after it. We were able to rescue the toy fishing rod. Meanwhile, he's in the camper. He's so upset, he's starting to go into an asthma attack. He's prone to asthma. Well, I didn't know this. My middle, middle grandson had come back in the camper while I was trying to fix the fishing rod, cut the, bat, the extra line off, and, just, and I was going to come in the RV and say, Look, I dove in and got it. Everything's good. I was going to you know, relieve him a little bit. Well, while I'm out there tying this, my middle grandson comes out and goes, Hey, we need to let Alex know right now because he's starting to get really upset. Well, he's got mild asthma and he's starting to have a little bit of an asthma attack. My middle grandson is starting to have a little bit of a panic attack over the asthma attack. All this is going on. I'm trying to fix this fishing rod and a bug. Here is the crazy thing. A sizable bug. Flies in my ear at like Mach 4, whatever that is. I like like a jet flying through a tunnel, not touching the walls. I mean, it was like a thud. It went deep in my ear. And I'm still trying to fix the fishing rod so that I can come in here and relieve my grandson before I even deal with the bug that just flew in my ear, hoping he's just going to fly right out. Well, while I'm doing that, I hear, I feel, and hear. The bug flutter deep in my head. You talk about a crazy feeling. If you've ever had this happen to you, please let me know. Because I've never known anyone to deal with this. But I know kids get things in their ears and bugs crawl in people's ears. But this thing just went, lodged itself. And it freaked me out, as you can imagine. Imagine just for a minute. Some sort of flying bug fluttering deep in your ear against your eardrum... The, the sound of it and the feeling of it. I dropped everything. I run in the house. So now we've got my wife suffering from a kidney stone possible urinary tract infection. My daughter suffering from a migraine. My grandson having an asthma attack. And I've got a bug in my ear. And my other grandson's having a panic attack. <laughs> we were juggling, my friend. So, I am getting, I'm trying everything. I'm looking it up on YouTube. Every time I stopped wiggling my ear or doing something to manipulate it, this bug would flutter. Tried everything. Thank God the grandkids or the sons were already scheduled to go to my daughter's house for the evening. So they all piled in her van and all of them left. Susan and I ended up going to a patient first, like an urgent care facility here in Virginia Beach. I walk in. They. The guy comes in with one of those ear, ear scopes or whatever. He looks at my ear, and he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a blue-green thing. Oh, man. It's down. Oh, it's deep in there. And he pulls it out, and he goes, well, there's nothing we can do about that. You're going to have to go to the ER. I thought, oh, my gosh. This is crazy. And meanwhile, I cannot stop manipulating my ear or this bug goes off. It is still alive and well. About that time, another doctor walks by, a woman, and she goes, what's going on? And then she takes a look. She says, I don't, Sharon, come in here. Get the whatever. So they get this this water, this high-pressure water thing that shoots like a jet stream of water in your ear. And they blasted me in the ear. I mean, it hurts so bad. And uh, then she looks it in there, and she goes, oh, it didn't really move much. It's way in there. Hit it again. They hit it again. Okay, it, it looks like it moved a little bit. Hit it again. And she hit it again. I think you killed it. Well, that's good news, I guess. Um, she goes hit it again hit. so I don't know four or five times of doing that finally she was able to get this long pair of tweezer type things and pull that sucker out it looks like it was what's called a green leaf hopper so it was like a grasshopper and you know how fast they fly um, tiny one but nonetheless um, crazy situation so we came home they put me on antibiotics and now we're three days later And my ear is still hurting like crazy, so there may be an infection. And Susan's not doing very well as far as the urinary tract infection. She's been very nauseous and fevers and chills and all that stuff. Um, Some of it may be even caused by the antibiotics. So I'm just telling you, you're not alone in the struggle. We all have days like this. Van Morrison had a song called Days Like This. (laughs) Good days, bad days. Good seasons, bad seasons. Thank God they don't always last. I know you guys with toddlers... Um, life can get crazy. I was recollecting something similar way back when my kids were little and Susan was really, really sick and running a bad fever and uh, we were debating whether she needed to go to the ER and I was running upstairs and checking her temperature. I ran downstairs. I got the thermometer. I got this alcohol out and the alcohol was like a green colored alcohol if you've ever seen that. And I dipped the thermometer in it and I ran upstairs. I checked her temperature. Meanwhile, uh, my my son is downstairs. He's only a toddler. I run downstairs and he's holding the green bottle of alcohol with it all drizzled down his chin and down his chest. He's obviously taken a sip of the alcohol. So, and so that was a crazy. I've called in the poison control hotline, determining whether I got to take my wife to the hospital. Just craziness. We have days like this, we have seasons like this. Coincidentally, if you have a. Uh, Toddlers or toddlers, uh, my good friend and uh, Life on the Verge partner, Brandon Jones, uh, wrote a book called The Tiny Terrorist Survival Guide, a biblical field manual for parents. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's humorous. He's a former police officer, so he kind of wrote it a little bit, probably with that bent. That's why it's called The Tiny Terrorist Survival Guide, a field manual for parents. <laughs> so t- check that out if uh, you're, you're trying to juggle The little kid thing, because that can certainly get insane. We've learned that even with our grandkids here uh, over the past week or so. So all of us deal with these chaotic seasons like that. Every now and then things just go haywire and you have the craziest day ever. Um, But we're talking about managing the juggle over the long haul, the different aspects of life. Um, And there can be seasons where things are just crazy, Uh, We've talked about how fear of letting others down can stress us out um, and how that fear is rooted in insecurity and how to deal with insecurity. That was in part one. Insecurity kind of defined as trying to be who you think everyone else thinks you should be. And we all deal with that. It's rooted in fear of letting people down. Uh, In in part two, I try to give some practical steps that help me with juggling the day-to-day some of you have had your have your own system and approach to living lives of balance I'd love to hear some of the ways that you you've done it or dealt with chaos and you know kind of tried to uh, live a life of balance okay and so in this episode I just want to talk about one thing that could radically change how well you juggle the different aspect aspects of life and that is this let me just tell you up front reduce the number of balls in the air. It's better to juggle three balls well than to juggle four poorly or five poorly. I'm talking about downsizing. Uh, Another danger of insecurity is a temptation to feel like you have to measure up to what society says. An example of that is that you, you must live the American dream, which includes owning a home. Now, there's nothing wrong with owning a home. I've owned a couple in my life, but when you walk into that and you guys that own homes, you know what I'm talking about? you're you're picking up a major ball to juggle. Now, there's a lot of aspects to that. It can be a nightmare for some folks. You know, uh, I've got some people near and dear to my heart. They recently bought a house, and uh, they're if you buy a house, you either better be a, a handy person or know how to use YouTube. Uh, and you better get good at fixing things. You better have some money saved up you, or you better have enough money to pay other people to do the work or, or you may you have a merciful dad. Uh, I've, I've gone over to my daughter's house a few times and did some pretty major repairs. Uh, you better know somebody. You just need to know it's a huge responsibility and all the homeowners said, amen. It's great, um, but we can be swayed into thinking that if you don't own a home, uh, then then you don't measure up. And maybe maybe a home ownership is not the right thing for you in the season you're in. Susan and I knew that we'd reached a place where there's there's no way that we could do what we do uh, if we owned a home. I do hope to own a home again one day. Um, but if we had to juggle all of that, uh, right now we are graciously given a deal that can't be beat on a home. Uh, and that that includes, Uh, People that take care of our yard, you know, that's part of the HOA or something, and people that take care of our sprinkler system. It's it's just a crazy God thing that he has lined up for us for this season of our life. And it's been wonderful. Of course, there's a part of me that, you know, wants to feel like, you know, I measure up by owning a home again one day. But I know if I pick that ball up, it's going to take away from things I'd rather be doing. I realized that with our first home we bought that um, it was all consuming and it took away from things I'd rather be doing the having took away from the doing um, so maybe that's something you need to look at there's no shame in that you know. Um, I've got a friend, I won't call him out I think I mentioned him in the last podcast he's living in an RV for the first time a 21 foot RV with his children and his wife for the summer uh, doing things a little unconventional but downsizing Here's good news, you know, for you guys that own homes, if you ever had to do it, living in an RV full-time can be very, very cost-effective, even if it's for a season. I had other friends that built a home, but they didn't want to go into massive debt, so they did a lot of work themselves uh, or had friends do the work. And they lived in an RV for, I don't know, maybe a year, uh, right on the property where they were building the house. So that's just one one deal to, to think about when you talk about, you know, put, putting balls down. Um, and and again, uh, home ownership is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Especially if that's your bent, you know, um, if that's part of what you feel like is providing a secure place for your family and, you know, taking care of that place, being a good steward, it's wonderful. Just real, you, you guys that own, already own a home, you know it's a heavy ball to juggle. Um, <coughs> you don't have to drive the latest, greatest car either. You know, all of this, is related to what we see with our eyes and what, you know, around us. We see our neighbor keeping up with the Joneses, right? We see our neighbor driving the latest, greatest Tesla or whatever. And we feel like, man, we got to have that. Well, that's great if you can afford it. But I've known the pain of, uh, you know, two car payments at the same time. And in Virginia, we have good old personal property tax that slams you every year. And the newer your car is, the harder it hits your finances and so that can be a pretty heavy ball, too. Um, I, I also, you know, we didn't have a, we haven't had a car payment. I don't think we've had a car payment in at least 20 years. At least 20 years we haven't had a car payment. And, uh, and we've driven old used cars. You know, in order to do what we do, I've probably told the story, but we, One year, we we didn't have the funds to take the RV out to Sturgis, but at the last minute, we felt like, you know what, we're supposed to be there. There was also going to be a meeting of a bunch of musicianaries that do uh, what we do in prison. It was kind of like a, a gathering of a bunch of kindred spirits to plan out some things. We felt like we were supposed to be in that meeting, and therefore we'd go to Sturgis. So at the time, we were driving a 1991, now this is like 2016, I think, we were driving a 1991 Ford Contour. The air conditioning didn't work. The power window on the right side, the passenger side, didn't go down. Now imagine, this was over 5,000 mile trip with no AC in August. And my poor wife couldn't put the window down. I did most of the driving. It was not a comfortable car to drive for the road. Um, long trip. And then in the back, The car had used to belong to my daughter, and she had backed into someone, and, you know, the fiberglass or plastic or whatever those rear bumper things are made out of was all broken up, so it really looked like a jalopy, and uh, in all regards, it was, and it was humbling. I had to overcome my insecurity of feeling like a car makes me measure up, but we got to go do it, and it turned out to be a miracle trip. Uh, The people that we met, we even had a breakdown in South Dakota. But through that breakdown, we met some wonderful, just blessings came out of that. And so don't be swayed to think that uh, by this culture we live in, that you have to live a certain place and you have to drive a certain car. The doing is far more important than the having of things. You don't have to take expensive vacations. You know, we would look on Facebook or Instagram if you're somebody that does that. And you see this person is in the Bahamas or this person is in, you know, some other Caribbean island or whatever. You know, I had a friend just visited Scotland. Nothing wrong with great trips. Um, But we early in our life, in our 20s, we paid for a vacation one time with a credit card and it was a lot of money. And we dealt with that. We had to juggle that credit card debt for many, many years. So that was a ball that we chose to juggle that we didn't have to. Um, you don't have to wear the latest, greatest fashions either. That's another, There's nothing wrong with dressing nice. Um, but I remember I used to work with a guy. Um, his name was Paul. And uh, this was all the way back in my early 20s when I was in college. And Paul, we used to joke him about his shoes. His shoes, his sneakers, were literally falling off his feet. They were falling apart. And he was talking about, yeah, I was going to buy some shoes, but Christmas is coming, and I'm, I think my parents are going to get me some shoes. I'm like, dude, you got a job. What's the deal? And then we got our credit union statements, and I had a couple hundred bucks in there. Paul had $12,000. This guy's like 20, 21 years old. He's got 12,000. He works at a grocery store making 4 or $5 an hour. He's got $12,000 in the credit union, and he's refusing to go buy a new pair of shoes. Um, so all of this I'm saying how we manage our finances can really and some of you are going to say amen because you already learned the hard way uh, it can put balls in the air that God doesn't never intended for us to juggle and it's because we've been swayed by what we saw with our eyes and we desired something you know, the scripture says the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are of this world we don't want anything to do with that but we fall for it. We get into it. Uh, when it comes to home ownership, I just want to say, just in a practical sense, I could have mentioned this before too. Um, thank God for the almighty equity loan. If you're somebody that is dealing, sorry for the dogs, if you're somebody that's dealing with you know, a lot of credit card debt, car debt and all that, and you've got equity in your house, you can usually get a better interest rate and a better payment situation by getting an equity loan. And I will say that I did not know Much about finances. I had to seek out people and ask questions, and maybe that's something uh, that you need to do. So, if you struggle with the if you're struggling with the juggle, ask yourself what's consuming not just your finances, your treasure, but what's consuming my time, my talent, and my and my treasure that can be eliminated or at least minimized a little bit. If you're struggling with the juggle, ask yourself what's consuming my time, talent, and treasure that can be eliminated or minimized. Now, I'm I'm no financial advisor here, by the way, when it comes to finance. But Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen through twenty four, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but stir up for yourself treasures in heaven." No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You kind of serve God in money. I read the whole thing because I want to make sure that you understand that that whole passage is dealing with money, treasures. And then in the sandwich between uh, verse 19 and 24 is this whole little conversation about the eye and how we've got to guard our eyes. They can be a problem. We see something, we, we want it, especially when you're younger and uh and maybe you know for me i would gotten my first job out of college i was working as a police officer i had the biggest salary i'd ever had i qualified for all sorts of debt and i took advantage of it and it became a disadvantage now i i you know i think really hard about well we don't have any debt uh personally i think we got a couple of medical bills that we pay on those kind of always are a constant um but nothing large you know a few hundred dollars we have no personal debt Um, We have no ministry debt And man, I'm going to tell you It feels good That's a ball I don't want to juggle My friend here at the campground Parked right next to us The guy that told us about this particular campground In Virginia Beach um, Who's also been a a Life on the Verge donor And a a great sound engineer guy And so we had a little bit of time with him uh, But he's got a very nice boat Uh, Like new, I think it's like a $75,000 boat It's a nice boat and I, when I first showed up, I was like, man, it'd be great if Brian takes me out on his boat. Well, instead, he walks over and gives me the key and says, hey, man, anytime you want to use the boat, help yourself. If you want to take your grandkids out, help yourself. I was like, yes, my favorite kind of boat, somebody else's. So I did do that one time, and my grandkids had an absolute blast. Took them out in Back Bay. This little canal leads to Back Bay, which is a bay um, just behind uh, the Sandbridge Oceanfront in Virginia Beach. And, uh, and, and of course, sitting on this canal, I've seen dozens of boats go by, little ones, big ones going out to Back Bay. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it would be cool to have a boat. But then I think, not just even if you could pay cash for it, the responsibility of juggling that ball is massive. Any of you that own boats or have owned a boat, you know that. That's why I say my favorite kind of boat is somebody else's boat. Uh, the maintenance, I've got already enough stuff to take care of. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I thought about, it. we want to focus our lives on, on the majors in life. And what I mean by that is, like, if you've ever did a course of study, uh, college is a great example, but it doesn't have to be college, you're usually learning a lot of things that aren't super relative to your major. Sometimes for the first couple of years, you're doing these general studies and things like that. And when you finally get to bear down on your major, you can't wait. This is what I want to do. You know, that's kind of the sweet spot of it. Well, even in your job or your ministry calling, I've got a friend who uh, runs a big operation, uh, similar, to, similar to what we do uh, in prisons. Dear friend and mentor, for that matter. Um, and I remember, and his organization is larger. He involves a lot more people. Uh, he's got a, so many irons in the fire. Now we're not talking about money. We're talking about juggling time a little bit. And uh, I once said to him, you know, I'd written some new songs and I wanted to know what he thought of them. And uh, and he said, man, are you kidding? I've been so buried in administration, I haven't even picked up my guitar in three months. Boy, that struck a chord with me because the temptation, even in our ministry, is that man. This we should grow this. We should, you know, build it to where we got employees and payroll and, you know, make it this big, big thing. And I feel like you know, if I, if the Lord led me to do that, we could uh, grow it that way. But I'm not going to do it at the expense. Of not being able to do the thing that I feel like God has called me to do. Play music, tell your story. So writing songs, that's kind of the sweet spot. Writing songs, recording songs, performing songs. Music is a huge part of what we do. Uh, it's the bridge building tool that God's given us. And even one one church, you know, they said they wanted to support us because they really wanted to find a mom and pop ministry to support. Now, that can sound a little a little insulting if I let insecurity get to me. I don't like to be referred to as a mom and pop uh, ministry, but in some regards we are. And I'll take that hit as long as I have more time to do the things that bring me joy and I feel are uh, critical to fulfilling our call. So, mastering or managing the juggle well requires that we frequently survey all the things we have in the air. The things that take up our time, talent, and treasure. Back up, you know, I used to just a couple of times, I just went to the Blue Ridge Mountains by myself. I rented a cabin at a place called Crabtree Falls, a very little simple cabin, just to spend time with the Lord and evaluate, you know, where are we at? What's what's on our plate that needs to come off? Sometimes growth, sometimes success comes from subtraction. So what's on your plate that can be eliminated or reduced? I'm not going to pretend this is easy. It requires sacrifice sometimes. If you're married, you cert- certainly need to talk about it and pray with your spouse about it. You know, we, we haven't uh, taken any major steps that we didn't both agree on that it was worth it and we were going to take the risk or we were going to put something down. Um, there are different seasons of life, and that's why it needs to be a constant survey. What's What ball am I juggling that can be put down? Oh, excuse me. And so... Hope that helps and uh, pray for us. Do pray for us. My ear is still messed up. It uh, There's maybe a mild infection. They put me on an antibiotic. Um, Susan has been in some pretty intense pain with a fever and nausea, and uh, we got to travel tomorrow. So. Oh, And by the way, happy Father's Day. It's Father's Day. When you listen to this, it might not be Father's Day, but God bless you if you're out there not just just being a a dad, so to speak, but you're being a father and a dad. You're taking the responsibility to lead your family. So uh, don't take that the wrong way either, but I do believe that we men need to be uh, the spiritual leaders in our family. All right. God bless you, and we'll be back at you hopefully next week. Sometimes falling angels fly. I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.